Today is, if you are looking at a liturgical calendar, today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is a day where churches are remembering Pentecost, and so I felt like it was only appropriate for us to spend some time looking at the the biblical account of Pentecost and, and what it means to us today. So as we do this today, as I spend time in the Word, my goal is to teach a little bit and preach a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of both because I think we need some understanding and context into what was happening as we begin to process uh, what God is accomplishing or wants us to know about Pentecost. God is pretty smart. How many know that? God's pretty smart. Okay, William, you know that. Good, I'm glad. Uh, and so there's some cool things that, that he does in this, in this moment that I think it's imperative for us to see. So I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is where we see Pentecost. So when we're talking about today is Pentecost Sunday. Here's what we're celebrating. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying or sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Acts chapter 2. So if you'll recall, that's right after uh, Acts chapter 1, which was written right after Luke. So Luke wrote all those books, and at the end of Luke, we see Jesus is resurrected. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we'll read it in a little bit. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he tells them to wait because they're going to be given power to be witnesses. And so they waited, and it says it's probably been about 10 days, because Jesus, he was alive for 40, the Passover had happened, and so right around his death, and so probably about 10 days of waiting. Now, if God tells us to wait, most of us are pretty good with about 10 minutes of waiting. Uh, They're waiting 10 days. They're assembled, it said in Acts chapter 2, to celebrate Pentecost. That's why they're together. And God does something remarkable. He brings the fulfillment of what he promised. Now, where do we see what God had promised? See, Pentecost was a promise that God had been making for a long time. In the Old Testament, in Joel chapter 2, he made this promise. Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. This verse is actually quoted by Peter later on in Acts chapter 2. This is a promise that God has made. Pentecost What is happening on Pentecost is a promise that God has been making to his people. John talked about the promise. So we had Joel. Now John talked about the promise. John said, he answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I, that's Jesus, will come, and the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Joel has talked about this day. John has talked about this day. Jesus talks about this day. He told them this is what was written or is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You're witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Then I, I quoted this verse, Jesus, resurrected Jesus, talking to his disciples, reiterates the promise. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Pentecost 
Sunday. What we read in Acts chapter 2 is the fulfillment of these promises that God had been making to his people. The promise that Joel made, the promise that John talked about, the promises that Jesus made. And it just so happened, it was just a coincidence, that when I read Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says that when the day of Pentecost came, so why were they gathered for Pentecost? What was that day about? Because it wasn't about the Holy Spirit then. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are Jews. They're gathering for a normal festival in their calendar. Pentecost, or Shavuot, is, is the, the Hebrew name for it, was a, a normal day of celebration in their calendar. So they're gathering, doing their religious duty, coming together, and God is using this moment. And I said, God's smart. So I believe he's using this moment for a reason. So what was Pentecost about? What was Shavuot about? If you look at their calendar or their history, this holiday that they were celebrating, Pentecost, was all about celebrating the first fruits of the wheat harvest. Now, I don't know that we have holidays to celebrate our harvests, but that's what they did. And so in this time, in the Jewish tradition, this, this day of Pentecost was set aside to celebrate harvest. And I want us to keep that in our brain. We're celebrating wheat harvest. And it also says that over time, tradition began to associate something else with this particular festival. Now, they had another festival that they celebrated that we hear about, Passover. We, we know Passover, right? Passover was what the Jews remember, their physical deliverance from Egypt. When they were in slavery in Egypt, and, and God sent the angel to, to pass over their homes, they celebrated their deliverance from Egypt. That was a physical deliverance from Egypt. Well, over time, this, this festival of Pentecost, which comes 50 days, Penta 5, 50 days after Passover, began to be a celebration of God's law being given to Moses. And I mentioned that, that, that Passover was about a physical deliverance of God's people. Well, what happened when God gave his law to Moses? Now, I know this is going to sound strange to some, but literally that was a spiritual deliverance for God's people. Because before the law came... They, they didn't know how to receive forgiveness of sin. Yeah, they might have had to sacrifice animals and doves and bulls and whatever else, but this literally was a celebration of spiritual deliverance for God's people. That's what this day was about. God gave the law that was his love letter to God's people through Moses, and they're celebrating or they're remembering that. So they're coming together, the disciples, on this day in Acts chapter 2. They're gathered in that room with their brains, because you know when we're celebrating a festival, we're thinking about what we're celebrating. Their brains are thinking of wheat harvest and spiritual deliverance. I don't think they're thinking about what Joel said. I don't think on that day they're thinking about what Jesus had promised. I think their focus right now is on wheat harvest and, and the law being given to Moses, the word being given to Moses. And then something crazy happens. They're all together in this room. And there's an earthquake. And there's a wind or whatever. The, the wind is blowing. And 
tongues of fire appear on people's heads. And they start speaking in other tongues. And people from Kentucky are understanding people from Nebraska. And they're wondering how they can speak the same language. God is is really cool. And so they've made a promise that Jesus described in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that they would be empowered to be what? What are witnesses designed to accomplish? Harvest. We would be set about being witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In this moment, God is calling His people to be empowered, to be witnesses. What do witnesses do in the Scripture? Do we not share the Word of God to bring spiritual deliverance for God's people? Or for those that He loves? He's trying to get our attention with the holiday. He's trying to get our attention with the moment. And not only does he get our attention with the moment, but then he does something crazy. Like, why now did God, he's smart, I said, why are people now talking in other tongues? Like, okay, like, let's go preach. Like, the Spirit of God's come on us, the, the fulfillment of what's been promised, that we've, we've been anointed, and, and the, the, the example or the demonstration for, for those people to recognize was truly this, that he then began to allow all of them, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God used the tongue as a sign of what he was accomplishing in his people. Why? Why would he use the tongue? If you look at the book of James, James gives us, a pretty good insight into this. James chapter 1, verse 26 said, Those who consider themselves religious and don't keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James chapter 3 goes on even further. He said, basically, this thing in your mouth, it's the hardest thing for man to control. It's the hardest thing for man to contain. And if we get this thing in our mouth under control, it'll guide us like a rudder on a ship is the illustration that James is using. See, I believe that God recognized, because he is smart, that's my premise of today, God is smart, he chose to use Pentecost as the revelation of his Holy Spirit because there absolutely is a wheat harvest, there's a harvest that needs to be obtained, and it's going to come as we are witnesses that's using our tongue, this thing that's inside of us, to to be an effective witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, don't let... Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Proverbs 18.21, the scripture talks about the tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. See, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, this moment, he's using the tongue, this, this demonstration of speaking in other tongues, is a revelation of what can be accomplished when we submit ourselves to him, when our tongue is yielded to him. When we get this beast, James says it sets fires. The power of life and death is what Proverbs said is in our mouth. You know, it's interesting to me, I talked about passion last week, and I said we talk about what we're passionate about, but many times using our tongue for the kingdom becomes challenging. 
We'll talk about anything. We'll talk about all things. But then when it comes to talking about God, we get tongue-tied. And we start to worry about what we're saying and whether we're hurting or whatever else. I believe that it absolutely takes the Holy Spirit power inside of me to use my tongue to be an effective witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that's why God chose in this moment to show what was happening, the, the impartation, the indwelling, the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the disciples on the day of Pentecost because it requires our tongue. Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear with someone, without someone, and I'm going to say talking because we don't like the word preaching, without someone sharing with them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's God's sovereign plan for the harvest that he intends. He used this example of our tongue. So remember, I said God's smart. He chose Pentecost. It was a day that celebrated wheat harvest and spiritual deliverance. It's a day that we look back and we literally call Pentecost. It's like we should have had a birthday cake today. Sorry, I didn't plan that well enough. Pentecost is the birth of the church. It's the moment where the church truly is attributed to being born. So for that 40, 50 days after the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus, the the beginning of the church is this moment where, where God begins to empower his people and send them out as effective witnesses of the gospel. This is what we're celebrating. One more time. God's smart and he gives us a good example. So we have Pentecost. We have our tongue. And then he shows us this in action. Because if you continue to read in Acts chapter 2, what happens? So they have this crazy encounter. The Holy Spirit comes in that room. They're celebrating the wheat harvest. They're doing their thing. They all begin to speak in other tongues. And others begin to witness what is going on. And those who weren't in the room, I'll tell you what, if you saw a bunch of people talking in other tongues and you're not a part of that and you wonder what in the world's going on, you're going to say they're a bunch of crazies. You always say they're a bunch of loons, right? And that's literally what happens in this story. Acts chapter 2, verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Like they're just a bunch of drunk people in there. And someone stands up. Now I said God is smart. That's If you leave that here with anything today, you'll remember God is smart. Who stands up? So Peter stands up. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Now, I'm not sure how big the crowd is. I know that after Peter gets done talking, 3,000 of them get saved. I'm a good pastor, and I don't don't know that that 3,000, I expect 3,000, the whole crowd, to get saved every time I preach. So the crowd's probably bigger than that. So, so Paul, now if you, or Peter, I'm sorry, if you recall Peter, now what happened with Peter at the fire before Jesus' crucifixion? He denied Christ. Why? He was afraid of who? A little girl. Now, dude 
who was afraid of a little girl by a campfire, is now standing up in front of 3,000 plus people proclaiming, if you'll read the rest of Acts chapter 2, he proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. He literally tells them something that some pastors are afraid to say anymore. He says, you've got to repent. I mean, he gets all, he gets all fire and brimstone with them. What has changed in Peter's life? Yeah, he experienced the resurrected Jesus. But in Acts chapter 2, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And because he had experienced the resurrected Jesus, because he knew that Jesus did raise from the grave, then he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, he began to speak boldly. He began to speak without fear. Let me explain what, what um, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I have to say. God's showing us the product of Pentecost in our life. I believe truthfully that God desires for us all to, to experience the same boldness that Paul has. And this morning, I want to use an illustration now. Now it's where I preach a little bit. Well, I guess I'll teach a little bit, but then I'll preach a little bit. I guess I've been doing both. But anyway, there's this thought that I have that the reality that what the disciples experienced, that was when they were infilled with the Holy Spirit, the promise I have from Scripture is that's happened to every believer who's been born, in, born again in Christ. How can I say that? So the power that was in Peter, the power that was in those disciples is absolutely in you. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Listen. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? The reality is, inside of each one of us, the Holy Spirit dwells. The scientific illustration I have for this is the idea of potential energy. I believe there is potential energy in everyone in this room. So this is a battery, right? There is energy inside of this battery, right? This battery has energy. If I pick up a book, the idea of potential energy, if I'm holding this book up here, it now has potential energy, right? As long as I'm holding it up, it has potential energy. As soon as it hits the ground, no more potential energy. It's gone. Right? Now, some people, you say, I don't see potential energy. Well, if I did this and I pointed this up, Levi, what's wrong? So you can see potential energy. You can recognize potential energy. We can recognize it when pastor has a rubber band and points it at us. There's not one person, if I get close enough, we've been doing it at our house for the last day and a half, pointing rubber bands at each other's faces, not shooting them, but just pointing them. They say, oh, you see potential energy. Because, see, we can recognize potential energy in the things around us, but we don't recognize the potential energy that God has placed inside of us. See, Pentecost is God has empowered you. He's given you power to be a witness. That's a bold witness of the truth of Jesus Christ. But many of us live just like this battery, isolated from the system with all the potential in the world, not accomplishing anything. This Bible 
potential energy is there. Actually, it's a hymnal. Just don't think I'm throwing around a Bible. Sorry. Hymnal. It's less, it's less of bad if I do it that way. This Bible has, this, this hymnal, it's what it is. Keep reminding me. It's a hymnal. It has potential energy. It has all the potential in the world. And everyone in this room knows that if I drop this Bible, it's going to fall to the ground. Huh? Wait, whatever. I'm coming today and correcting you too. Thank you, Levi. I appreciate that. It's a hymnal. Levi's just looking out for my best interest. It's got energy. And it's there. But it's doing nothing. I mean, it'd be a crime if there was a spider walking across this room and I had all kinds of potential energy right here with this book and I just let it, let it fly. Oh, let's drop it. Just die, spider, die. Get away, spider, go. I got potential energy right here. I just got to drop it on the spider and it's dead. It's rubber band. Who puts the potential energy in the rubber band? Me. Who's put the potential energy in you? It's God. You just got to let him do what he wants to do. Man, I want to shoot Mike so bad right now. Oh, there's two of you over here. I was thinking Mike would actually, so... It'll leave a mark. I shot Graham last night and left a big red spot on his belly. But isn't that what happens when we release energy? Because it causes impact. Isn't that who we're called to be? Isn't that what I say as a pastor is, is my vision for our church? Because when the Holy Spirit comes on us, the pattern we see in Scripture is that he says after they prayed, the place where they were was where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they did what? Spoke the word of God. How? And that's empowered people. That's people who are empowered. Second Timothy chapter one verse seven says the Spirit of God doesn't make us timid, but gives us. That's what God's Spirit gives us: power, love, and self-discipline. But church. There's a lot of places where we're celebrating Pentecost and remembering what God has accomplished, but we're not doing anything because we're not living the the fullness of the potential energy that God has placed inside of you. I'm telling you, His Holy Spirit has been placed inside of you. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he says you are a temple of the Spirit of God. That power that allowed Peter to speak before the crowd is inside of you. I'm telling you. He's pulled the rubber band back. And we're not living 2 Timothy 1. We're more timid than bold. 
We're more scared than powerful. We're not living with the power that he's placed inside you. Acts 1.8. He's given you power to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, but you will be, my Holy Spirit will come on you. I will empower you with the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I say this all the time. Crawford, Nebraska is about the ends of the earth from Jerusalem. Come on. We weren't even a thought in, in anything at that point except for God's sovereignty. To the ends of the earth. He's empowering us with that same power to be an effective witness. He's given us the power to hope. He's given us the power to pray. You want to hear something? I love the testimonies that I've been getting from Greg and Kathy. You know, sometimes we wonder if James is telling the truth. He says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's what James says. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much, if you want King James. He says that. And I think at times we pray and we wonder if our prayers are powerful and effective. Tuesday, when Greg fell and broke his back, I talked to Kathy, and she can listen to this and she can confirm this. She was kind of worked up. Rightly so. I talked to her a few times, and she was pretty worked up. As pastor, you know, we just continue to pray, and people were praying. And Kathy on Facebook that night, she put, you know, because that's how you hear things. She put on Facebook, thank you to everyone who's been praying. Why did she thank people for praying? She said, I felt the prayers of people praying for me. She went home and went to sleep at home. Greg, this morning, when he texted me, I normally won't read your text message to the church. Just know that. He says, tell everyone thank you for their prayers so I can do that. He said that. I have sent them. Besides pain and mental well-being, my other prayer request is figuring out my accommodations. Greg and Kathy both said they felt people praying for them. We have a power to be able to pray for people. We have that power inside of us. I want to tell you, your prayers are powerful. They're, they're powerful and effective. At times we don't recognize the potential energy in us. Someone says, pray for me. We say yes. We say, Jesus, you heard what they said. Take care of it. And we go on with our day. We don't take seriously what they've asked us to do. Your prayer is powerful and effective. The word of God that he's placed inside of you is powerful and effective. You are a powerful people. You have the power to tear down strongholds, he tells us. In Scripture, we take captive every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We've got that power inside of us. We have the power to love. <laughs> I'm telling you, that takes a lot of power sometimes. My wife laughs. You're not supposed to laugh at that one. You love me. It takes power. And he's given us the power to accomplish the task that he set before us. He's given us the power to love. He's given us the power for self-discipline. He's given us the power to do signs and wonders. He said, even greater things than this will you do in my name. You see, Pentecost, Shavuot, Moses brought God's word. To his people. 
Pentecost today, you take God's word to his people. It's a call for the harvest that he intends. Do you not see the fields are ripe for the harvest? The ripe, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He's empowered us. There's too many of us with power not doing what God designed us to do. You can come up here. We remember. We celebrate today Pentecost. We celebrate the promise that Joel spoke about. Your young men will dream dreams and your old men will have visions or vice versa, whichever way it is. We we celebrate the promise that we will be endued with power, this promise that he is sending one, the, the counselor or the advocate, to be with his people, the Holy Spirit that he's placed inside of you. And my heart is that this day you would begin to recognize how powerful, how much potential, how much strength God has truly placed in you because I want to tell you the ends of the earth need to know the truth of the gospel sometimes the ends of the earth go as far as our family sometimes the ends of the earth go as far as our our neighbors or our co-workers or those we're around my prayer is that the Holy Spirit inside of you would give you the power To tell what Christ has done. He would give you the power to be the witness that someone needs. His will is that all would be saved. But how can they hear if we don't tell? How will they have peace? We're not praying. How will those mountains be moved? And Jesus says to me, if you say to that mountain, be moved, it'll be moved. How will that love be understood if I'm just not ready, ready to love that one? You see, Pentecost takes away the I can't. Unless you don't allow what God has been placed inside of you to be expressed. I guess this isn't the impact we want. If we don't let go, no one experiences the impact that God has for them. Peter. In that moment, he spoke out. Peter In that moment, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he began to speak. He spoke to the crowd, the ones that were saying he was drunk on wine. He began to talk about God and and tell what God had done, to talk about his love and and to talk about the reality of of the plans of God for people's lives. And it says 3,000 were saved. That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of impact. That just happened because a tongue was used boldly for the king. 
God, I thank you for this place this morning. And I thank you, God, that each one of us has the potential. power, the ability to be an effective witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, that you've placed your spirit within us. That spirit that that gives me the power to speak, the power to love, the power to pray, the power to hope. That spirit that moves mountains. Signs and wonders. That spirit that gives us the peace of God that transcends understanding. And I pray, God, that as we celebrate what happened in Pentecost, we think about the reality of harvest. God, there is absolutely a wheat harvest that we should be celebrating this day. God, there's a harvest that you intend of lives that that need to know the truth of Jesus Christ. They need to recognize the power that sin has in their lives, but the freedom that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. God, we need to recognize the, 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 the spiritual deliverance that's ours through the Word of God that was made flesh. God, we're a part of Pentecost. Help us to speak boldly. Give us a spirit of power, love. God, I pray that this day we recognize the potential energy you've placed inside of us. That no longer is it I can't, but how, God, can we do this together? That no longer is it I won't, but God, I will as long as I know that you're with me. That no longer is it that this is too big, but it's that we can take this one step at a time or one word at a time. Because God is in me. God, I pray that we would all see what you're doing inside of us. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have Pam lead us in a chorus. and I want to go back to what God did in worship. And the word he spoke through Pam. And I really feel compelled today that our prayer is powerful and 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 if you need someone to pray with you as a pastor, I'll be here to pray with you. But I do encourage you to to truly recognize the power that God has placed inside of you. And if we can start anywhere, because sometimes it takes us to use our tongues, maybe that's where we start. Prayer is between you and God, and you can begin to pray. Praying for someone else. Knowing that their testimony, knowing that Kathy can say, I felt the prayers today. I had a peace that I didn't have. I had an understanding that that I didn't know. It's because of the power of God inside of us. So as she leads us, I'll open the altars. I'll continue what was done at the end of worship. And I'll also 
allow an opportunity to pray with you. If you say, Pastor, I need someone to pray with me, I want that opportunity for whatever situation, whatever circumstance you might be facing. I want to be able to agree with you and believe that, 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 that God can touch that. But, but let's take this moment and allow Pentecost, the revelation of the potential energy inside of you, to be utilized in His kingdom for His purposes because of the harvest that He intended.